Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Pat McLean, thanks for being with us. Yep, both myself, my co-host, both financial advisors, and... Um, spend our careers and do continue to do so um, meeting with people helping them with their finances and been broadcasting this program for 28 years helping our listeners um, historically terrestrial radio but now mostly via podcast although we still have one terrestrial radio that runs us but uh, glad you're with us and if you would like to be part of the program we've got a question for us we'd love to take your question and you could send us an email at questions at moneymatters.com and we'll get you on the program yes We've got lots of good things to well, talk about. Well, you know, we have on uh, the second half of the show is Hal Hirschfeld. Yeah, we've had him on a couple times yes. before on The Future Self, and he has a new book out on well, Your, your future, future Self. self. Yeah, which, which we're looking forward to. I um, I enjoyed. Hearing from Hal. I enjoyed. And, let's, uh, and I want to talk a little bit about some of these empty buildings, commercial real estate. There's uh, quite a few of them. And... Um, how some of the government policies might be making things worse. But let's be, let's start off right with calls, though, if you don't mind, Pat. Do you? I, I don't, but I, I um, yeah, the empty building thing, it's, and you keep I had lunch a- with I had lunch with someone a week ago. Their financial advisor, their business is in uh, downtown San Francisco. They're moving uh, to the top floor, one of the top floors of the building they're currently in. Taking over more space, paying less, and it's fully furnished. It was uh, some tech startup had it completely designed right before the lockdowns, and so they never actually occupied it. Brand new. Paid $1 for the furnishings, $1 for the furnishings, and then the, the lease for the higher floor, more space, is less than they've been paying currently. And they haven't given up on San Francisco? No. They, they they have not given up on San Francisco. They have not given up on San Francisco. Well, it's see, actually not quite as bad as some of the news reports. But last time I was there, but but you think about this: if you're an owner of that building, or the lender, the lender, the lender, and what happens with a lot of these? It's not like a traditional mortgage. So you when you get a mortgage on your house. They look to see if you can qualify, right? You qualify for getting for it. Okay, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, here's your mortgage. It's $400,000 mortgage, 30-year mortgage. If your home falls in value, as long as you keep making the payments, the mortgage company doesn't care. They, they never come and say, hey, your home's only worth three seventy-five. We need you to throw in more cash. They don't bother doing that. They want to make sure you keep your insurance on it, make sure your property taxes are paid. Other than that, they don't, they don't really care. Most commercial... Uh, mortgages work quite differently. They want same thing with business loans. They want to know what is your revenue. What there are, are your covenants. expenses. Your covenants say if you fall below this, and then we have the ability to take back the building or to call the loan. What really happens though is that would apply if it was just a poorly run building. Like it's just poorly run in a in a field of well-run buildings where all of a sudden your, your revenues are down by 50% you're not meeting your covenants. They would call that loan. The lenders would call that loan in this type of an environment. The lenders don't necessarily want to call the loans. They want to work the loans out. Well, they don't really want the buildings back. They don't want the buildings. But back. if in the, in the situation I just talked about, so the, the value of that business is in decline, right? The the value of that particular building that you talked about, where they the moved to the I top, mean, yes. to top floor, the it's it, yes, it's probably lost fifty percent of its value. Because just like other investments, it's based upon cash flow, both current and and projected future cash flows. And at that point in time, so if a building's half empty and the tenants are the ones that are still there, are paying less rent than they used to, the building could be significantly reduced. And in at value. that point in time, the owner of the building may not have any equity in the building at all. He may have he or she or the corporation may have negative or equity or the pension company may have negative equity in the building. In which case, 
Sometimes they just say, you know, here, Mr. Lender, have at it. And we'll see, we, we've already seen it this year. We're going to see, I think, more and more of this coming. Yeah. Some of these major cities, the downtowns of these big cities, it's so fascinating how things can change because four years ago, it was all the, I mean, the downtowns with the whole re- revitalization and downtown was the place to be. And then it was, it wasn't, it was, it was. Now it's changed like that fast. <laughs> I mean, New York's back. Apparently New York's back, but the well, last time I was in New York city, uh, I was there for business. It was crazy busy on the streets. So what's, what's <laughs> to make matters worse. A lot of these cities are now starting to hit uh, owners of buildings with a tax to offset their carbon usage. Okay. This is from carbon dioxide. So New York City already has some of the most expensive buildings in the, in the world. Beginning next year, well, a building owner is going to face a $268 fine for every ton of carbon dioxide emitted beyond certain limits. So you're already losing money on the building. You can't afford to do any upgrades to it. Uh the tax bill, so here the Wall Street Journal tallied a bunch of buildings in New York. Next year, the tax bill, there's 128 properties, could be 50 million bucks during the first five-year enforcement. But that those dollars, if that that 50 million is gonna go to 214 million by 2030. And so in order to lower their emissions, they actually have to invest in the cleaner technology in their own buildings, where sometimes they can't even hang on to their own buildings. The real estate board of New York. Uh, and an engineering consulting firm said that more than 13,000 properties could face time fines totaling 900 million annually. <laughs> I, some of the stuff you can't make this stuff. It's up. just like, that's the sort of thing you do when actually the buildings are all full. That's when you step back and you're like, yeah, I don't know if I should put any more pressure on these businesses right now. We should be happy. We should be happy with what we got. Yeah. Right. Again, it's one of these times, and, and you could be an investor in one of these buildings right now. Maybe you own a commercial property. Maybe you're an investor in a in some sort of pool, a REIT that specializes in property uh, office complexes. If you if so, you've taken a beating, right? Um, it's just one of these, it's a, these things are always a good reminder. Like you really never know what's coming tomorrow. And <laughs> the older you are, the more important it is to have diversification because of something you yes. could, you could have amassed $10 million in your life savings, had a commercial property. You said, I'm going to buy this 30, $30 million property. I'm going to put some leverage on I'm it. I'm going to put $10 million down. I'm going to borrow $20 million. Suddenly the building's worth $16 million and you're insolvent. Yes. It happens. Yeah, it's happened a lot recently. Anyway, that's where we started the program up today. All right. Let's, hey, uh, let's go to the calls. That. Let's not talk about that for a while. Let's that's kind of depressing. Calls. Let's start off here with uh, Denise in the Bay Area. Denise, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi, Hi Denise. Uh, Scott. Thanks for thanks for taking my Thank call. Thank you. Um, I listen to you guys all the time. First time caller. Um, I guess I have a pretty simple question. We live here in the Silicon Valley in California. I've been here, oh, both my husband and my lives. And um, have you been in Silicon Valley are. your entire life? Uh, yeah, I was born at Palo Alto Hospital. Or, oh wow, uh, Stanford. It was called Palo Alto Stanford Hospital back then, and I worked there for 37 years. So, wow. Yeah, I'd say my whole life. Yeah, that's when there <laughs> were know. orchards around. Yeah, uh, you grew up. Yeah, right now, yeah, we, we now own about two acres of uh, apricot orchard, actually, here I'm in the Silicon Valley. And uh, we're looking to retire. Our kids are yeah, not Real quick, I know this is a site, totally, this is not what you're calling. So the two acres of, of apricots, is, uh, yeah. is it designated for agricultural or could it be developed at some point in time in the future? It, it could be developed. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's not anymore. It was, um, it's been in the family since the whole oh, 1940s. So, mm. uh, yeah, wow. it's down okay. to um, about, yes, 
I guess it, we're down to um, just under two acres now. That is some really expensive that. apricots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd like a bag yeah, of apricots. That'd be $822. <laughs> right. Well, we dr- we dried our last apricots, we think, for the uh, this year forever um, in um, on this piece of land, which is pretty sad. Oh, yeah. Um, Are you selling it? Yeah. We're, well, we're thinking of putting it on the market okay. because, right. uh, as usual, we are um, house rich, cash poor, and um, 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 our kids don't want to be in California. They're not here. They're up in Oregon, and so we're uh, so are the grandkids, and we're looking at uh, getting out of here. <laughs> and is your property is your home located on that? <laughs> we had a couple. Calls is your home located week. on that property? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So what, what's yeah. what's your question for us? What do you? Um, well, okay. Um, if we, we sell it and, uh, how much are we looking to possibly being able to, cause we hopefully will be able to buy it for cash. Um, and, uh, how much do we need to have in the bank to get, to, to really retire? Okay. To really be retired what, permanently. What, well, let's walk through your situation. How old are you? Um, I'm just turned 65 and my husband's 67. Okay. And are you both retired or are you still working? Nope. We're both retired. Okay. Both retired. And both how much money do you have in savings accounts, brokerage accounts? We have probably about, oh, in my 401k, uh, about 200000 and a Roth about 70000 and cash about fifty. And uh, are you both taking Social Security right now? Yes, we are. And how much are you receiving, both you and your spouse? Uh, between the between the two of us, about four thousand. And do you, either one of you have a pension? Um, I will receive one from Stanford starting, I believe, it's next year in January. Yeah. It, it, they're they're trying to get, phase us out, so I don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> it's, you're not expecting much then. No, I, I'm expecting probably about sixty thousand, but I'll have to roll that oh. over into either a Roth or four hundred one k. Oh, sixty thousand dollar lump sum, not sixty thousand dollars a year. No, a lump sum because they okay. want it's gone. Yeah. Okay, and would you receive any monthly pension when you retire? No, that'll okay. be it. All right. Okay, so you have two hundred and sixty thousand dollars in four. And what's your uh, is is your two acres of apricots? Is that separate from your primary residence, or all one of the same? All in the same. No, it's all in the same. Oh, I forgot to tell you, we own a house up in Lake Tahoe. Um, it's which is paid for completely paid for. And what's that worth? Uh, about one point five. Up there, and what's your property um, in the Bay Area worth? Well, about five point five million. And what did you pay for the a house in Tahoe? Oh, we didn't. My husband, my husband and I were young and stupid, and bought a land, a piece of land, and just started building on it before we were even married and had kids, and uh, did it a little at a time. It took us over five years. We're probably still doing it. Well, <laughs> so your basis in there is almost nothing. What you paid for it, ba- basically. I'm glad yeah. you were we young did. and stupid. Said, that was yeah. a good idea we to be young, young and, and stupid. We were young and stupid, and well, our, our kids are very happy that we were young and stupid. That, and we uh, uh, as they should be. So l- let's assume you sell the house and property for five point five. You've got five hundred thousand dollar exemption from capital gains. My my guess is that your cost basis is next to nothing in this property. Um. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. We uh, it was uh, the uh, my father in law owned it years ago when he passed away. Oh, I don't know, fifteen years ago, and it was a step up in base. Of- okay, oh. all right. Let's. What was let's, it worth then? What was it worth then? Yes. Uh, what was it worth then? Yeah. Oh, it was. I don't. Fifteen I don't years know. ago, two million. Uh, maybe. Let's say you it's know, two million. Know. Oh, you know, you know why, you guys, because. We got the property, um, but we had to finagle things to do it. It was during the 208 uh, downturn. Yeah. And so everything took the, the, the I don't know how I want to say it, really bad. And uh, so what we did was we had three acres. So we, uh, my husband subdivided it, but he had, we had to put everything we had. That's why we don't have a lot of cash anymore. Everything we had into it to subdivide it and sell that piece of property to be able to save the uh, the two the two acres of land. Okay, so you'll have some capital gains. It's this it, during this call. It's kind of hard to determine what how much that is. Right. But oh, are you going to sell the house in in, in Tahoe as well? No, nope, the kids would kill yeah. us. 
I mean, so let's assume you net, let's say kind of worst case scenario, you end up 3 million net. Yeah, I was thinking. Which is going to be a little more than that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, and you were conservative and said, let's do a 4% withdrawal assumption on that. That's $120,000 a year of income that should provide. So what would a yeah. house up in Oregon cost you? Well, that's what we're looking at right now. We're going to go up there next Not month. Not 5.5. Um, no, I, I, no. So here's what, here's what I, I look at it there. So let's just say you net. It's going to be a little bit more than three million, but let's just let's say, say three and three, a half. three point five million. If you spent one point five million dollars on or one million dollars on a home in Oregon, right? It leaves you two point five million dollars investable, right? If I was to take a four percent distribution, that's a hundred thousand dollars a year. You've got forty eight thousand dollars coming out in Social Security. So that's $148,000 a year. If I add up your Roth, your cash, and your IRAs, right? It's three thirty, yeah. three eighty. Um, yeah, you, you you spend a million dollars up there and live on one hundred and fifty grand a year. Well, what's a house going to cost you? Um, well, you could buy one for you no, know. I, okay, what are you what are you planning on? Yeah, we're thinking of one point five. We just don't know if that's too much or um, not enough. We want it to be big enough that our kids can all come to one house when they come. You know, it's funny. So I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, so I was just visiting a friend of mine. Um, he's got a place in Truckee, California, which is outside of uh, north of Tahoe. He just built yep. a new house. He had a, a house there before in a nice community. He built a smaller house. He's 70 years old. He's got several grandkids. And he said, Scott, I realized, we realized for us, it was better not to have everyone here at once. Just the chaos, the family drama. He says, now, he says, well, we're going to just have, it, have different families at different times. One at a time. Which I thought was, an, and I'm just throwing that out there before you. Yeah. One five would be kind of pushing it for you. Okay. And one right. five would be kind of pushing it for you. Well, it depends what, you, it depends what your lifestyle is like. You travel? How much do you? Do, I mean, how you how you guys making it work now, at fifty thousand oh, um, dollars a year? Well, we um, we have rented this house in Los Altos before, off and on, um, okay. and we I we, we can't do a ten thirty one exchange because I don't want to spend that amount of money on a new house. No, 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 no. Um, yeah. So, um, and we go to Tahoe, and we just we rent this house, and we go to Tahoe. We Got go to it. we we have a house in our house is in Rubicon Bay. I don't know if you know where that is. Yeah, it's a. It's, you know, hey, we love it. Yeah, what's not to love? I don't but think I'd go winter. more than, um, I don't think I'd, I'd spend more than $1.25 million. Okay. All right. right. But the rest and that's assuming bank. that this house in I'd the Bay out, Area. I'd figure out what, you, what your capital, it depends. She, you, she, we don't know what you're going to net because we don't know if the step-up basis, if, if you've got a cost basis of this for tax purposes of $2 million or or 20000 yeah. We don't know how yeah. the estate, well, we had, right? I don't know if it was in a trust yeah. ahead of time, then there wasn't a step up basis, depending on how it was, how it was inherited as well. Right. I'm assuming that the the basis is pretty close to zero. I mean, that's what. But maybe I'm, not. It might that's not what, be. That's what, based on these assumptions. Yeah. Based on these assumptions. So the this one five. Put you in a good the, place. But the one five could possibly work. Um, it just, you, you, before you sell the house, um, before you go buy a house, sell the house. Oh yeah, sell the house. And you guys certainly could. Oh yeah, them. yeah. No, I, I know that. And, and, I but, know. And then I thought, well, maybe we should do a uh, a bridge loan. You know, you're not going to go live in Tahoe. No, 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 you live in Tahoe till you find your place up in Oregon. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't not, don't take any loans out. You're you're, you're going to pay cash for this new house. Not yeah, taking yeah, any loans totally. out, but you need to sit down with a qualified. I do um, a good financial plan and look at. Well, you need to figure out what your cost basis is. That's I mean, what, what you what you're actually going to net from this. And then a good financial. And plan then I wouldn't buy that. anything till I <laughs> burn the hands worth two in the bush. You never know what tomorrow brings. I would want, want this thing escrow closed before I bought another. Oh, house. absolutely. You already have a residence you can live in uh, in the interim. So glad you glad you called, yeah. Denise. I appreciate so, the you call. guys are in. Should be a nice next chapter for you, uh, the two of you, and your family. Let's uh, head to Virginia talk to Jeff. Jeff, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey, good afternoon, Scott and Pat. Thank you for taking my call. I listen, yeah. listen to your show every week, and I always learn something new, so I really okay. appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, uh, I've got a question about some 
uh, for my mom. Uh, she's going to be selling her house in the next couple of months and moving into an apartment. And I'm trying to figure out what's the best thing to do with that cash uh, to structure it, uh, to make it last as long as possible to pay that pay that monthly rent expense. How old is she? She's 81, and uh, she's in excellent health, so could go you know into her 90s most likely. And what's the house selling for? Um, we think between 350 and 400,000 somewhere okay. in there. And I've, I've got her um, And why is she selling know, it and moving into an apartment? Um just some, like maintenance things and she's had two burst pipes in the past uh past winters and keeping up the yard and things like that. So it's 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 not an assisted living place. It's just like a, a you know, fifty five and over community where there'll be games and T V rooms and social activities and things okay. like that. She excited about it? Uh she is now, yeah. Okay. Originally <laughs> she wasn't but but it's a very nice place and so she's she's uh you know, cleaning out her house and getting ready for the move now. And how much is her rent? Uh it's gonna be about I figure with utilities and whatnot it'll be about twenty eight hundred a month, something like that. And what other income does she have coming in? She has about uh, she has about uh, forty eight. Uh, I'm sorry, about four thousand a month in income from VA survivor benefits, pension, and Social Security, and that's what she lives on. She doesn't spend any more than that, most generally. So usually, when we have an RMD, it just goes straight from the IRA over to the brokerage, and you know. How much does she have in in uh, retirement accounts and brokerage? Uh, Okay, she's got her traditional IRA at two hundred thirty-three k, and her brokerage is five twenty-three. Yeah. So the total is seven fifty-six of all her. And uh, how are the, like? And how are those dollars allocated? How are they invested? It's it's uh, sixty forty stocks bonds. It's at Vanguard, and we've got the the. And how long has it been this way? Advisor, I'm sorry. How long has it been at Vanguard? Not long. We we consolidated after my father passed. We were working on that and getting it out of different places and into Vanguard. So probably three or four years now. And how much does your does your mother watch the values of these accounts? Oh, not 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 at all. Okay. I, I, she, I, I, I'm not me and my brothers watch watch them. Okay. And yeah. the reason I ask that is because look, I, <laughs> what I've seen, not in my, not in my personal family, but with cl- certainly seen with clients and whatnot. Like this sort of situation, child comes in, mom, let me help you invest these dollars. They put mom's 500 grand in a nice balanced diversified portfolio. It falls to 460. Uh, mom freaks out. Mom's panicking. Right. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, they got to unwind it just because mom doesn't understand it because she's been 80 and had not had these personal experiences. But if she's not paying any attention to it. Uh, no, we certainly we certainly update her. You know, I do these little uh, financial reports every couple of months for my. Yeah, but obviously, it sounds like her. you understand the markets really well. Um, well, well, and the, the the Vanguard people, we've got whatever the lower tier advisor is, where they go in and rebalance. Yeah, but they're not going to protect the account from going through market cycles. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. No, of course. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do okay. you think you should do? Yeah, I like. Um, well, and then on local banks, she's got uh, sixty-one thousand in cash, okay. earning nothing, and we weren't doing anything with that because we were waiting for see what moving expenses would be and things like that. Okay. Um, and and then before I talk about what I would, uh, one thing I was just thinking about as I was waiting is, you know, do we set up some kind of carve out for potential long-term care? So, but what I was thinking is like you know some amount in like a high-yield savings. You've uh, already like got. You already have forty percent of the portfolio in fixed income. Uh, yes. Okay. So, and so when you say some amount well, in high yield savings, what does that mean? Maybe like two years worth. Or okay. Th- three years worth of rent, something like that. And what would and you then, do with the rest? I, I I struggle with that a little bit. I I don't know if I mean like time horizon. Should it go into you know um, just regular index funds that? At Vanguard, I, I don't know if the yep. time horizon yep. you is just, long enough. To you do just that. Des- you just described a pretty much a sixty forty portfolio. Um, she's not going to spend all these dollars in her lifetime. You're going to invest these as if they're your and your brothers and your siblings. Yeah, money. so that that's kind of how she's got enough current income for her needs. So yes, we are sort of yes, yes, we are investing for you know the next generation. Keep it in mom's name. Mom needs it. Obviously, it's there for mom, right? It's mom's mm-hmm. dollars, oh, for but. Sure. 
I would do 60-40. I'd just I lay it on top same. of the rest of the portfolio. Yep. Totally agree with Pat. Okay. Yep. So, you don't have to um, overcomplicate it. Uh, I'm sorry. So in like put it in the the way that it is at let's say in the IRA, in the broker. Um, well, you know what I mean. I don't know how it's managed for a tax efficient standpoint. So I'd want to make sure it's managed somewhat tax efficiently. It, but yeah, they've got primarily the bonds inside the IRA and primarily stocks in the. There brokerage. you go. Yep. Okay. That correct. Correct. And just just more of the same. Okay. Okay. It's more of the same. Just keep it 60-40 and decide how you're going to allocate it to the IRA through the brokerage. But the reality is you're managing it. You're thinking about the right way. Yes, you're managing it. Your, your mom is living comfortably on the $4,000 a month that she has. If she needs to get it this money, she could get it the money. No one oh, knows, absolutely. right? No mm-hmm. one knows. So I think that the idea of just push it more the way it is. Yeah. And you're the, that's the way to go. Totally agree. Appreciate the call, Jeff. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean. You know, it's interesting that last call. Um, if, you, if most people said an 81-year-old sells their house to move into an apartment... Um, how should those dollars be allocated? And someone say 60% should go into stocks. Like most would say that seems ridiculous. Someone that old, right? But investments are really based upon a couple things. One is time horizon. How long we have, we have before we need the money. And some could say, well, at 81, the time horizons can't be that long because we're getting the older we get, the closer we are to death. Right. Um, and then the second is risk tolerance, how much ups and downs someone can stomach. And there's some people that they're like, I just can't handle it. I, I want to be in something super secure. I know it's going to cost me. I'm not going to have as good as retirement, but I can't stomach the ups and downs. Right. You've met those people. Yeah. yeah. And so, and like the previous caller we had, here's a, a situation where we've got a mom who who's trusts her finances to her son. Her son obviously really understands these things. He's done a fine job. So we've got risk tolerances in that situation. And mom doesn't really pay much attention. So it's, it's high, one would assume. And um, time horizon is extremely long because it's it'll based, never be spent. It, yeah, it's based on the children, not on the 81-year-old mom. Now, if that situation changes, then, then the portfolio would change. That's right. But that's why this the rule of thumb, when I started in this business 35 years ago, when you take their age minus, what was it, 40 100, or 100 minus their age. Yes, it was 100 minus their age. I Whatever mean, that, that means. That would, be, that would be me now, which would mean yeah. my ex You're would- You're 60 portf- today? Yes. Um, you don't look a day beyond 59, by the way, Pat. Actually. Just you know. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I don't think that was a compliment. <laughs> they say at the gym, they, they say you look good for a 75-year-old. That's what they always tell me. <laughs> wow, you walked out. You didn't even use a handicap spot, Mr. McLean. <laughs> like that's kind of workout I put in. Um, but with that 100 minus your age, which was the old rule of thumb, my portfolio should be 40% equities, which is just ludicrous. That makes no sense. So, anyway. so much for rules of thumb. That's anyway, right. we've got a great uh, guest joining us now, Hal Hirschfield. And Hal's been, uh, Hal's been a guest on our program uh, in the past. We've always enjoyed talking with, with Hal. Uh, Hal is professor of marketing, behavioral decision-making, and psychology at UCLA's Anderson School of Management. And um, he really looks at the intersection between psychology and economics and looks at ways we can improve our long-term decisions and from financial planner standpoint like we are like that's that is like bedrock foundational to good financial planning is people how do we really look at our long-term things and so he's you might have read him before because he's i saw him somewhere i saw he's on a i listened to a podcast recently i forget it was anyway hal thanks for being part of the program hey guys it's uh great to be here always fun to talk with you yeah and uh your book your future self enjoyed it um so thanks um before we start asking a ton of questions, because I do have a ton of questions for you, <laughs> I, I do. 
especially about one of your experiments that, that you conducted. Um, will you just kind of bring our listeners up to speed on what the future self, why it's important um, and, and really what it really means and why it, we should think about this and how it affects the way we plan our lives and live our lives? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, the future self is this uh, future version of you. I mean, it could be you. At, what do we say? You're 59 now at 64 in five years, right? Um, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Maybe it's that you look that way. Uh, but the, you know, your future self is uh, who you'll be at some specified point in time. And it's important because when we think about decisions that have consequences now and consequences later, when we say that, it's kind of abstract. But if we can get concrete, what it really means is that the consequences later happen to some future version of you. And so much of my research. But it's some other person. That's how we think of our future selves. And if we can start to try to understand who that person is and really like improve the relationship between who we are now and who we will eventually be, that's when we can start to see changes in the decisions that we make. And you know, you can get really concrete and think about finances, but also it applies to a lot of other spaces as well. Hope that that's just a nutshell version of an answer there. Hope that it, helps out. It, it does. And you know, you think about it, it, it applies to health and exercise and diet and, and finances. Right. Um, and even, yeah. uh, relationships, it, it, I would imagine. Yes. Yeah, relationships. That, you know. yep. Um, so, yep. Talk a little bit about this experiment you did uh, with with many people with the aging mirror and how it worked. Um, sure. And, and I've got one at home. By the way. <laughs> well, you've got an aging <laughs> <mirror>. <laughs> my current self. <laughs> it's just a regular mirror. Like when did my skin con- con- go move with the razor? It used to uh, the razor. Would... Yes, it's, it's very cheap. You can buy it in Home Depot and pop it right into your bathroom. <laughs> I said I ran into someone. I ran into someone from high school last weekend. And they lied and said how good you looked. Man, you look fantastic, Pat. You look just as good as you looked in high school. I haven't. And you lied back. You look great too. <laughs> <laughs> One of us was telling the truth. I hadn't uh, seen her in forty-two it. years. Wow. Since high school, wow. and what what's interesting is we recognized each other, which was actually kind of bizarre. And then you realize when you start talking, you're like. You didn't really change that much. Um, yeah. Yeah, but then I have I, run into people from high school, and you're like, whoa. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> okay. Get so back talk, to talk the, the mirror. mirror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pat and I, can, we can have our discuss, oh, discussion offline. Okay. Oh, man, I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, basically, in my research, we were trying to create that, somewhat create that experience but for your own self. And, you know, the, the thinking was, if I want to get you to connect to your future self, one way to do it is to, make that future self more vivid, you know, and more concrete. We, we know from a lot of other places that if, if I can make an example of something vivid, that'll make it emotional. And if it's emotional, that's the type of thing that'll finally, you know, get you to change your behavior and take some action, right? So we started really simple. We said, well, let's just see if we can make people look older. Um, I mean, I started doing this, guys, it was a while back and there wasn't the technology that we have now. So I was working with graphic artists and, you know, basically they just, they, they know how to do it. You, you mimic the aging experience. You know, you add some fat underneath the eyes and your ears droop and you get some age spots and your hair, you know, thins out and all those fun things. You, you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, so we, you know, early on what we had done is we had put people into virtual virtual reality environments where we would you know, have them stare at a mirror and they would come face to face with their future selves or just a, you know, a regular sort of digitized image of their current self. And now when we started doing that, this was kind of small samples with college students and I found out, yeah, sure enough, that, you know, makes people a little bit more likely to want to save for the future. And we've, we've essentially expanded it and recently finished a study where, where we exposed real consumers to their age progressed images and found that they're a little bit more likely to make an actual contribution to their retirement account. But, you know, the, the basic idea is make that future self more vivid. Don't, you know, don't just talk in terms of compound interest and growth charts and portfolio allocations, but talk about who the person you're going to be 
really is and, you know, what that person will look like and feel like and what their interests will be and how they'll spend their time. Those are the sorts of things that I'm interested in. So, so that, and there was a, there was a quote in your book um, that talked about people that give to charities are more likely to give more money to chariot charities, the more vivid those people are appear that the money's going to. Um, that's right. That's right? right. And you so know, you, same thing with like the location bias or whatever, like uh, yep. earthquake on over in Morocco. Wow. It's kind of sucks for them. Earthquake happens in your own community. You're out there helping, writing yep. a check and everything. Right. So, and, Absolutely. which is what I actually, you sh- know, I should have said stinks for them. Uh, but the, um, yeah. but the idea that you actually got the technology so that if I moved my head, the, the head would move with it. And it reminded me yeah. that old Lincoln national commercial, uh, life insurance yeah. commercial yeah. where they were Lincoln financial. Yeah. Yeah. Lincoln financial oh, yeah. when they were the, the pilot or, or they were on a plane and they were sitting next to their young yeah. self. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah. So it was a great, it was a great ad, but the, the guy would come back and from first class and the the, the the passenger in economy says, are you, you know, are you future me? And the guy says, yeah, you've been saving. So I can sit up here and then, you know, SNL did a version of that. Oh, yeah. The guy comes back and he's <laughs> been drinking and he says, I'm future you and I spent all your money on, on drugs and alcohol and I'm having a great time. <laughs> I remember that. I remember. I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to bring the SNL skit up, uh, but that was... It, and so the idea, the the idea behind this, so you think about it, right? It's like, well, how do you, and this is just money, but I was thinking about it for, you know, I'm getting close to retirement. And the big thing that worries right. me in retirement is the future me, not, not, right. not, not that I don't have a job. That doesn't worry me at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which mm-hmm. probably should, but it doesn't. And it's not really the finances because I plan well. It's just I worry about what the future me is going to look like in 10 years when I'm mm-hmm. 70 or 75 years of age if I'm not right. engaged, right? Yeah, um, exactly. What could you do so to I, help you know, me? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good turn. Uh, you know, that, that's a, I mean, I, I love that question, right? Because it's not about, you know, you save enough or what's your right uh, you know, strategy or whatever it may be, but rather now you're talking about something almost even more fundamental, which is how are you going to spend your time? Part of the trick here or the, the tricky part of this is that, you know, we don't know how we'll change once we, and sorry for sounding a little bit uh, like Yoda here, but, you know, we don't know how much will change once we go through a change, right? So in other words, that's right. We'll retire. That's a big change. We can only anticipate what that'll be like, but then once we go through it, things may be different in ways we can't really anticipate. But I think one of the keys there is sort of flexibility and openness and uh, also, you know, attention being paid to values and what's important now. You know, because you said that thing earlier, you ran into your high school classmate, and you realized in some ways we haven't changed all that much. What's interesting about change over time and personality is that there can be some surface level things that really do change. And then on some deeper level, you can say, well, you know, some of these things that define me, that may not change as much, but the sort of execution of those interests may change over time. You know, you may be adventurous and that looks very different being adventurous when you're 45 versus 75, but, but that the core may be the same. And so, yeah, I would kind of pay attention to the value. And that, and that's kind of where you talked about where, uh, when people viewed people aging, that it's the loss, the people that had the loss of the prefrontal cortex were the ones that actually changed, were viewed by others as those people that changed the most, correct? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, uh, this is work from, uh, great researcher, Nina Strominger. And she talks about how, you know, you, you look at, caretakers of people with uh, sort of neurodegenerative disorders. And you say, well, which ones really impact someone's sense of self? And it's, it's not, it's not necessarily Alzheimer's or Lou Gehrig's where, you know, Lou Gehrig's the body deteriorates with the mind the same Alzheimer's. You kind of lose your memories, but in some ways you can sort of see the person there, but it's a frontotemporal dementia where, where oftentimes you see somebody who, you know, once was, really shy now they're talkative or they used to be talkative and now they're shy something like this that's when the caretakers say 
it's like no longer the person I knew, you know? And so you apply that to ourselves and it's, it's the core traits that really matter there. And so with the few minutes we have left, I do want to ask um, two questions. Uh, One is you talk about the mistakes we make, miss our flights, poor trip planning and pack the wrong clothes, which is a, you know, you talk about it in the section, second section of the book, which was really easy to understand what that meant. Like miss our flights, poor trip planning and pack the wrong clothes. And then to follow that up, um, can you talk a little bit about uh, metacognition? And I, I, I didn't see that anywhere in your book, but if you're doing any research on metacognition and how this is affecting kind of the future self. Oh, it's a great question. And so just to make sure I'm clear, I know you said just a few minutes, but and it's always great to talk about metacognition in a few minutes, right? <laughs> okay, but, well, no, listen, listen. <laughs> it, it, it is how it's a, it's, a pod, it's, a, it's a podcast, so talk as long as you want. I'm interested in the – I don't – I didn't see it in your in your book, and maybe it was there, but I didn't see metacognition, and I no. thought, well, isn't this kind of metacognition a little bit? Is, is yeah, it- no, it's, it's right. And what we, you know, what researchers when researchers say that, what they mean is, you know, our ability to sort of understand our own thoughts, right, and understand our own sort of thinking processes and whatnot. And and you're absolutely right. That is to some extent at the core of it, because we're not going around. Most people aren't going around saying, well, you know, let me think about my future self now and I'm going to do this uh, thing for my current self and this thing for my future self. It is really asking people to kind of step out outside of their daily existence and do some sort of examination of the way that they think about current and future selves. And to some extent, that's a big point of the book, which is to get my research, which is to get people to be a little bit more, you know, if I can say it, like intentional about the way that they are thinking about these different selves and kind of balancing out their interests now and their interests later. Which is, which is, you know, so this is primarily a financial show and people are listening like, what has this got to do with finance, right? Part <laughs> yeah, of it, of part, part of, well, it finance, is, it has everything to do with it, right? <laughs> yeah, which yeah, is, exactly. Which is like, I'm not a good saver if I don't actually believe that there's a future for me that I need to actually use this money or... I'm not going to take care of myself or I'm not going to educate myself if I don't believe there's a future. Um, also, and look, to your point there, Pat, like the, we're joking about the Lincoln national um, advertisement yeah. years ago, the guy in sitting in first class cause he saved well like from most people. They're just concerned about not being poor. That's right. Right. right? <laughs> For 99% of the Americans who are dev- didn't hit the top 1%, they're concerned about being able to maintain their lifestyle and they don't want to be 70, 75 years old and having to rely upon their children. That's exactly right, right? And, that, you know, that's a, that's a different version of wealth, right? You know, because you could argue, of course, you know, of course, when the financial services companies are making the ads, they're trying to get you to think about that, you know, the luxury retirement. Yeah, I know, the, version, the yachts right? and the... Oh, yeah. yeah, of course. Like everyone loves sailing. <laughs> like everyone. <laughs> There's a beach there somewhere, too, and people holding hands. You know, oh. but, uh, uh, but, but, yeah, that's a different form of wealth, and I think it's another way to think about that sort of trade-off between now and later. But, you know, let me add one other thing, though. It's not just, it's not just about not spending now and saving later, because the flip can be said true. Uh, the flip can be true as well, which is, what sort of experiences do you want to spend on now so that That's you have right. the memories later, you know, cause you, you could also miss out. You wait so long and now it doesn't really make sense to take that trip or do that thing that you've been planning for. Yeah. for or a love, uh, one of your loved ones is no longer there or no longer, you no longer yeah. the hell, which or... by the way, thank you for the yeah. shout out in your book against fire, which if, if, if anyone's uh, listened to this yeah. show any length of time, when this first thing came out, we just thought financial this is, independence retire we, early. We, yeah, we just early. thought this was just yep. the dumbest crap you you could think of. <laughs> I mean, truly, like how what, is that what life's about? I just that, read an article a couple days ago that it's dead. It is well, it is dead. I well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's like you know, some of the principles make sense, but man, the idea. Yeah, sure. I'll just never do anything fun so I can retire. Like, what good is that? Right. <laughs> I'd rather work forever. <laughs> haven't had a date in eight years because I'm saving so I can retire <laughs> at 41 yeah, to I'm do what? <laughs> You'll be the quite the catch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So, exactly. so, uh, th- th- so this does kind of dig in. So, what are the the like uh, the three principles? Oh, before I go to that question, nature or nurture? Do you think that uh, people that save, look, that, that look, see themselves, both, right? future self, right? Is that 
If I could see my future <laughs> self better, is it because of nature or nurture? Yeah, I mean, look, the reality is we don't have the sort of, you know, the research to actually speak to that balance. I would have to make a, an educated guess by so many other personality, you know, uh, so many other aspects of personality, that's a little bit of both, right? If I grew up and I've been taught that, you know, it's a, there's, a, there's value in saving and there's value in thinking about the future, that's, that's nurture and that's going to trickle down. But of course, you know, you see other cases where people don't have that and yet, you know, somehow they sort of eke it out and they figure it out, right? So I'm sure it's a balance. That's the worst, you know, answer that I, my, my, my students hate when I give an answer that says, well, it depends, you know, but that, that's kind of the answer there. I but think. you are a professor, so that's okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you I'm kids think? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, 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 mistakes we make. Miss our flights, poor trip planning, pack the wrong clothes. Just kind of briefly miss our flights. Yeah, it's basically it's the idea that we get so anchored on the present that we fail to look up and somehow miss out on, on what's happening in the future. It's almost as if we, we, we forget that it's even there. It, 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 listen, in, in business, we say it all the time. What we did yesterday is irrelevant, right? If right, it works, right, right. if it works, continue to do it. But just because we started, it doesn't need to continue it. Uh, poor trip planning. Right. Yeah, it's you know, the idea that I might think a little bit about the future, but I do it in kind of a surface level way and arrive at a future and realize there's, you know, nothing's really been planned out. You know, it's the version of, going on a trip and you have a limited amount of time and you get on the ground and then you realize, oh man, I've got to spend half my time here figuring out what I'm going to do next. And I know there's real value in spontaneity and all that stuff too. And I, I believe it, but the, you know, there's another sort of problem here, which is when I say, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'll worry about things later. And then later arrives and you realize, I really wish I <laughs> had put myself in a better position. Right. Yeah. That, that, that this is in fact, this is a trip and just showing up won't always work. And exactly. Then, exactly. Packing the wrong clothes. Yeah. And that's the idea of, well, you know, the, 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 the trip metaphor there is, I, you know, I, I'm what I'm, let's say I'm in Chicago, it's cold and I'm going to a warm weather place. And I say, I know it'll be warm there, but I, I can't escape the idea that it's cold around me. And I pack, you know, half my bag with <laughs> some sweats just in case. And then I get there, I realize I didn't need any of that stuff. And the, <laughs> the translation to the way we think about ourselves over time is that sometimes we do plan for the future. It's not that we're not thinking about it, but we get overly anchored on the feelings that we're having right now. And we project those ahead onto our future selves in a way that may be almost unfair to them. We're not really sort of giving them the benefit of changing interests or preferences. And we've sort of locked ourselves into plans that we made now because of something that mattered to us right now, now but might not later necessarily. And this goes right to the financial planning when there's a life change in someone's yes. world. We like to tell the clients, look, let's just step back for a minute. Let's just let things calm down. And remember Scott, you had someone came in and they had just retired and they had, and he, he was diagnosed with um, terminal cancer and uh, we took all the money out of the markets cause they wanted to talk about the markets. And we're like, look, this is, this is not, this isn't the time you should worry about the markets. This is the time you should worry about each other and your time together and everything will be okay. Yeah, if we in miss, the short future. In the short future, right? You're, you, you know, you were planning on this long trip and we now know it's going to be a short Let me ask one. you this question, Hal, because um, it seems like most of us either spend our, our thoughts on the past, remembering the good old days, or <laughs> anxious about the future of all the calamities that might strike us. And like, right, so, so there's a... There, there's a lot of discussion about living in the now and being present and that sort of right, thing. So, right. and that's something I try to focus on sometimes. I, my mind starts getting wild. And then I'm like, then I step back. I'm like, I'm with some cool people right now in a cool spot. Why am I complaining about the election or whatever? Maybe <laughs> something stupid. Yeah. So yeah. how do we yeah. balance living in, in the moment and living, being present today in this moment while still having projecting our future self and not being angry about the past. Right. Uh, oh, oh, there you go. That's, that's easy. <laughs> Said the Irish guy. Yeah, you could you could go to a therapist for forty years and not solve all that stuff. You know, but, no, I mean, look, look. You know what's interesting about this is that you know when you 
when we talk about planning for the future, no, no one's saying that you shouldn't also be living in the present, right? You know, it's like I, there's a version of this where you're just kind of, you know, you're either ruminating on the past or you're so anxious about the future that you're just kind of circling around and you're not doing anything productive. But, you know, you can make plans for the future and still be present, you know, like living in the moment, right? Now, I, I think there's a part of the confusion arises because people hear that term, you know, live in the present and they think their minds automatically go to, uh, you know, sort of just like being in the now and living some sort of hedonistic lifestyle. I don't think that's what anyone means. I think they mean don't miss out on the things that are happening right in yeah. front of you because yeah. you're so busy, that's right. right, with your eyes toward the future, the eyes, your eyes toward the past, right? So I think it's that kind of recognizing that you, you can do both and there's a time for both, right? But no, that's not concrete, right? I wish I could say, to you, well, it's, this is the balance you need to do. But I, you know, so <laughs> I think trying to keep that principle in mind is something that's so important. And when you talk to a planner, part of what you're doing is offloading that and saying, all right, let me plan these things. And now I can be present in the moment. That's it. And, yeah. and the first time I heard you only live once, they said YOLO. And I, <laughs> I don't know what that means. They go, you only yeah. live once. And I said, yeah, but hope, but I might live a really long time. So this decision I made today might affect the future of me. How uh, we enjoyed your book immensely. Yeah. Um, How's book your future self and people can get that. I'm assuming on Amazon and yeah, all the places, all, all right. places you can buy books. Thanks guys. Thanks for uh, having me. Yeah. I also enjoyed uh, your interview on hidden brain uh, a couple weeks oh, back, thanks. August 14th. He was on. Uh, yeah. With Shunker. Thank you. Yeah. Shaka Vidal. So appreciate Check as always. Um, keep those uh, young kids coming through your institution educated, please. <laughs> <laughs> and, You've and, got a kid at UCLA, don't you? He graduated, he graduated? Oh. but he might. But and keep them uh, slightly conservative as well, please. <laughs> 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 uh, Thanks, right, Hal. Guys, good to talk to you. We wish all you well. Right. It's always he's always. If only every professor of uh, psychology was that entertaining. <laughs> yes. Maybe they are. It's been a long time since we've been there, and um, you probably weren't the best student when you were in college either. I do. Uh, uh, <laughs> I remember. Yeah, anyway, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> by, by, in the college, I was actually a pretty good student. I was as well. I just, not in high school. Yes. So. Didn't quite see. I didn't see my future self, frankly. Excellent point. I really did not. Fourteen, I could not understand why this. Hence the purple hair and an earring. Well, that was it. <laughs> anyway, we're out of time. This has been All Worth Money Matters with Scott Hansen, Pat McLean. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.